This is The Art of Warcast, a podcast about card games and board games. Your hosts are Tobin Lopez, Carl Anderton, and Doug Keister. The vampire you want is delayed. All right, welcome. I'm Tobin Lopez. I'm Carl Anderton. I'm Doug Keister. What are we up to today, Carl? Well, it's October, the month of strange goings-on, apparently. We'll share our Gen Con experience, such as it was. We'll cover the news that means something to us, as well as other cool things. Candidly, though, since Gen Con, we've been rivals-focused for various reasons, which we'll mention. Hmm... If anyone's not clear, I get these um, little scripts handed to me the moment before I get to read them. So I'm like, what? Such as it was, Gen Con was great. Such as, well, just just with the, it was great, but it was different, right? That we had, I, I think I heard that there were about 35,000 people there. Oh, that was one I thought got Yeah, that, that oh, no was way. more. Okay. Um, but I think I was telling you when I was walking through, like I was walking through the well, dealer th- hall on a Saturday and it felt like kind of like a Sunday afternoon. Like 35,000 is not a big crowd for Gen Con. No. It's a lot better. Than, the, yeah. the predictions were around 25K, so that's a good 30% yeah. up. So. Well, there were 35,000 individual people, right? Yeah. But, so yeah. who knows how many. Individual name those, tickets, et yeah, cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but normal, you know, expected but, is like, what, 60, 60K was the cap out on that same figure? That's one of the in, highest of it. So. Yeah, well, in a normal year, they, they've gotten up to 80. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. I think I think the 2019, see the 2018 or 2019, they had the something. The 50th was insane. Well, oh had, yeah, yeah, yeah. The capacity is always six. Is always about 60k, but they can sell 80,000 individual tickets, right? Because mm-hmm. people come in. Because rotation. Well, yeah. So and it also depends on what you're looking at. Are you looking at? So they're they. They have a, they have the whole weekend pass and they have single day passes and mm-hmm. things like that. So uh, it's not like. Hey, eighty thousand people all at once. Oh no, totally. Yeah. But you know, including the, like the one day tickets, you add you know up to the one day tickets for you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. etc. You get up to that number. Yeah, like yeah. I say, uh, the, the worth clarifying there. It is the, the this, as far as you understand it, and we're talking of very vague figures. Is the uh, individual named people who bought tickets? Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like I say, my my hearing was down near twenty five k, which sounded fairly sad. Thirty five k is not as horrible as I might have expected. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, and and you know there weren't there weren't really long lines. Uh, in places where there have been historically insane lines, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking at a long line instead of like a, oh, I'm never getting behind those people, mm-hmm. right? Like um, versus, oh, okay, I'll stand here for 10 minutes. So, yeah. and, and you noticed it in the, especially in the nightlife, especially when we were out on the town <laughs> hanging out, there, the people weren't out there, right? Which, uh, you know, made it for a weird, surreal experience. <laughs> Having not done so, there. I was well, like, okay. You know. yeah. So 35K is right around the 50% number that they were hoping to hit, mm-hmm. uh, depending on, you know, what figures you're going with. Because, you know, if you're going with 70-ish, it was between 70 and 80, you're right there, 50%, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. But yeah, so I could imagine with half the normal people and also what two thirds of the normal like vendors there i'm not even sure it was that high uh, yeah i don't think it was that yeah high. what was the again these are don't quote me on these ones the number i got bounced around was we normally expect around 240 vendors and yeah. there was 60 ish yeah. oh that was that yeah low. so yeah the floor was a third the size yeah it was contracted in it was it was neatly done because you had to look for it to know 
because mm. they did a good job of like laying out the, the you know walking in the main the main frontage of of um of vendors was exactly what you expect but it was nowhere near as deep back basically mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and yeah i mean i'd say as well it looked like a lot of the big ones like um warhammer was there and their stuff was like colossal compared to the size of things i've seen so clearly they were like yes i can stretch i have lots mm-hmm. of room mm-hmm. i mean if anyone has room to fill shit it's games workshop you know yeah also, right yeah you know that kind of thing so they had an enormous i was watching them put like like five five tills or something stupid yeah. and i passed by well we'll talk about gen con a little bit more when we get to our main discussion so a couple things on the Keyforge front. Uh, community is still debating what it means to have the game go on hiatus. And it's you, you, you can find someone who agrees with whatever your stance you want. You can find someone who's pessimistic who thinks the game is dead, it's never coming back, sayonara, see you later, I told you FFG sucks. Or you can say, hey, this is good, they're taking time out, they're going to repair things, or we'll see it big back bigger better stronger that kind of thing right yeah so you can find someone who agrees with whatever you think uh that message meant i i, I, I tend to be on the more positive side well so. not to not to engage in too much in the you know doom saying or anything else or rampant fanboyism or anything like that the, the the game was losing momentum and when a game starts to lose momentum it can be hard to get it back once you start losing players it's hard to reverse that. It can't be. Mm-hmm. Putting the game on hiatus, you know, adds difficulty to that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's an unusual move for starters. I can't think of many times it's been it's been officially done. Even when a game is doing poorly, very right. rarely will a company say, "Here is an here is an honest to goodness official break." You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So so it's it's a risk. When it comes back, it could you know it could it it very well could nothing. It probably very well will be bigger, better cooler whatever mm-hmm. taking some time to rejigger everything make it an online game and everything else great but it is going to be hard to get that momentum back so i guess that's kind of a middle ground where it has a, it has a really good chance to be big again yeah once it comes back but yeah, yeah there's know. a there's a bit of feeling for me of um once we get out fi- finally actually put any part of this pandemic seriously behind us and let all those effects play out and change everything how they change and it all settles there. Um, yeah, maybe a resurgence of a game like that would be a perfect time for them. You mm-hmm. know, who knows? I was going to make a really horrible comparison, and I'm going to go ahead with it because it's making me laugh a little bit. Right. Um, what, what's been going on with the Keyforge stuff as I've watched what bits of the community reminds me quite a lot of just a good old-fashioned climate debate. It's one of those things of like, this is great, guys. You can have all these arguments, but they're from quite a while ago. Things have already changed, and what you're dealing with now is something that isn't staying still, as it were. Right. You know, it just needs right. to roll and roll and roll. So we will find out in the future. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> like I said, horrible comparison. I was I was hearing some uh, and seeing some discussion about the, in the Keyforge community of all places, and I and I don't understand this. Like panic at the idea that Asmodee is being sold. So Asmodee is currently owned by has an ownership group that owns it, and yeah, apparently, I can't think of a name. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, the scuttlebutt has it that. They're looking for a buyer, or they're being in the process of being sold. Well, okay, okay. and but so like, who who is going to buy Asmodee? Besides, okay, so it's owned by a private equity group. It will most likely get sold to another private equity group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it won't change much. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, yeah, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's very there. It's uh, it's unlikely for there to be large change in that respect because who else is going to buy Asmodee? 
Hasbro's mm-hmm. not going to. No, no, no they physical. Can't. Yeah, no physical game yeah. company right now is no physical large game concern is doing much expansion because that well, would not be a smart move. The second, well, yeah. but Hasbro is doing phenomenal on their own. You know, Wizards, with their own IPs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. With mm-hmm. Wizards of the Coast is now its own business unit inside of Hasbro. So and they and and Hasbro is getting something like two thirds of its revenue from Watsi. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like it's like Watsi is Hasbro now for all intents and purposes. So. That being in that situation, and also you know making board games and things like that, they would possibly run into antitrust issues if they tried to buy Asmodee, at least in the United States, mm-hmm. and possibly in the EU too. So that's not going to happen. Who else can buy Asmo besides some other private investment group? Yeah, well, yeah, probably and, not and, many, and, anybody. And yeah. I think I bring it up only because some of the Keyforge community are panicking that it means the death of Keyforge, and you're like, like you can control what you can control, right? Mm-hmm. Like if a if an equity firm comes in and buys Asmodee, I have no influence on any of that. The only things I can control is what I buy, in terms right. of the game industry, is what I buy. Mm-hmm. Like, I vote for my wallet, right? And, like I said. And if it means the end of Keyforge, it means the end of Keyforge. We've seen the end of games a lot. And I think we had so, this conversation at Gen Con, right? It's like we've, yeah. danced, we've danced this dance a few times now. Yeah. You know? Well, but I don't think... I don't think you're going to see the end of Keyforge unless it stops selling. Because right. at least pre-pandemic, that game was printing money for Asmo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have the same fragility issues that other LCGs would have because it's not really an LCG. It's a, it's a CCG. A, it's, a, it's a pickup play. It's a impulse buy level. Mm-hmm. It's a mass mass appeal style thing. And look at and look at other things that are trying to do the same thing. I mean, that's it's a good business model like you're getting at. Yeah, no, it's provable, it's very heavily provable. Three big points. I hadn't heard about the so much about the um, the community going. Oh God, someone's going to buy Asmodee, right? Three big points. Number one, I'm going to reiterate Doug's one from previously. No one is going to buy them who is interested in changing infrastructure and dealing with all the problems that our current world situation has of supply lines, of shipping, of all those things. No one's going to buy them who can do that. They're going to be bought by someone who just says, carry on what you're doing and keep printing money for us. Right, 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 right. Point one. They don't care if you're making games or making paper or making widgets. Mm-hmm. If you're making money for them, that's, That's all it. they care about. It's, they're not going to buy you and screw you over. It's not good for them. They're, they're not going to do that, right? Point two, like I said, Key, Key Forge is a pretty resilient game. It can sit around. It's got that style where it will be fine. It's not a, a board game with a tiny niche community. It's got the wide appeal. It's, 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 it's the kind of game that could benefit from a resurgence by turning it into a, a refresh and turning it into a the new, new reborn. Yeah. I mean, the Ashes Reborn, literally, we'll talk about it in a moment, kind of thing going on, right? Last is a big one here. This is the third time, guys. You're not paying attention. Asmodee has been up for sale three times now. Yeah. As a vocal thing. And quite apart from that, they basically have, they bought freaking FFG. You've gone through exactly this process. And what happened? Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. I've talked to FFG employees. I can tell you, I'll say that mildly off the record. And it wasn't the most fantastic thing for them. But their games didn't collapse. It didn't implode. This is nothing new. The sky is not falling yet again. Knock it off. Let's see, what yeah. was it? It was 2015 when Asmo bought FFG. Mm-hmm. And yeah, F- uh, Asmo, I think, has been sold or has changed. Ha- let's say changed hands. That's a, probably a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, twice since yep. then, we've we've at least one other offering, one of a um, rumored, strongly rumored offering that didn't go through. So, it's, right. so technically, it's been this is the fourth time that I've been approached about being sold or being sold. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 it's it's yeah, it's not great. It's well, it's not necessarily great, but neither is it necessarily awful. It's nothing new. Right. You know, right. right. 
All right, so turning to Ashes related news, uh, you can spell Ashes related news D E L A Y S in terms yeah. of oh my gosh, I think the cards are are they still in China, Doug? Or they, they are still they're in still in China, China as they're of s- yesterday. Sorry, they, the way you said it was great. He's got his helmet on the helicopter. Yes, I'm here at the um, front of delivery lines right now. We're, we're trying to get ne- trying to make a foray to get the next um, shipment through, but oh god, they've turned back. <laughs> no, apparently they are still sitting on the. Uh, on the dock. Yeah, who the Phoenix Barn knows who, what, when these things are going to arrive, right? Like, they so say the, December. Mm-hmm. No, oh, they're, sure. yeah. they're, they're uh-huh. saying mm-hmm. December slash January. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> ne- next year would be my call, <laughs> and I'd play fairly safe with that. Uh, yeah. they, are, they are hoping yeah. for a mid-December, but they're saying it could be January. Well, it yeah. got pushed back two months. It went from October, November to December, January. That's amazeball. Wow. I mean, with okay. what's going down, that doesn't even uh, seem all that bad. But yeah, it's, so, it's so, again right. awful. The here's where we get into world politics again and things like that. The supply chain is fucking broken. Yeah, yeah. in any yeah. in any conceivable money you can think of. Yeah, there. Well, last I heard, there was something like sixty five ships trying to get like waiting for their in queue in the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor. Mm-hmm. The last I heard, the wait was over a week. To sit there and wait for you know to get your your berth so that you could unload. They're you know they they don't have enough dock workers. They don't have enough shipping people. They don't have enough truck drivers. They don't have enough anything right now. So, hey, if I get it before you know January twenty twenty five, I'll probably be happy. <laughs> well, twenty twenty five. That means I put the cards up on the shelf <laughs> and um, come um, back three years later. Let's say put this in perspective there because and, and I'll guarantee none of us have any any definite numbers on this. But when you say sixty five ships, that sixty five ships are probably carrying thousands of containers. Yes. One of which probably holds most of the board games we care about. Yeah, yeah. 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 This exactly. is the kind of volume that's stuck there. You know. So. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 huge and it's Summoner Wars and Ashes and and the Ashes reprints, all of it, still in China, still on the dock, has yet to make it onto a container ship. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And so, you know, um, this is part of part of the, the teaser that I wrote for Carl, was that, you know, we're, we've become kind of, since Gen Con, Carl and I came back and we had Wolf and Rat for, for Doug and Jason. Oh, yeah. We Good brought cards. back the expansion stuff for everybody and or for the local group here, the four of us. And so we're like, yeah, 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 rivals, rivals, rivals. And th- that's been aided by the fact that there's been no new Ashes stuff. Yes, Jericho came out, but I'm like, I have this mental block now. Like, okay, the cards are different, so I have to sleeve all my decks if I want to play with her, and I don't really... <laughs> you should sleeve your decks anyway. Nah, no, like, I just sleeved my rival's decks. I just did it, and I, that was... I, remember I, I played that reason in, Because I had sleeves. <laughs> remember I did that speed build? On, we were down at the Netrunner tournament. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I speed built a deck, the one I played again on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Yeah. And I just was like, I want to try this out. Blam, throw it together. And I played with them loose once, and when I came to build them, I was like, these feel horrible. Like I can feel that I've done that. I can feel that I've handled them and like shuffled oh, them once without sleeves on. What pshaw, the hell is this? You, y'all are dreaming. Um, Cards get grubby real quick. Uh, so do everyone a favor, folks. Sleeve your cards. So PSA. But but getting back to it, like now that Rivals has new cards and we have you know things to experiment with and directions to go, and Ashes, I've had the full card pool, you know, plus Jericho. When Jericho came out, and yeah. I I haven't been able to, it, I haven't been able to grow with it. It's been an issue for me. Like I'm like, okay, where where do the card combinations? Like having the small bits of new cards come out, 
mm-hmm. allows you to grow with the game. Raptor Herder. Yeah. That's where it's at. <laughs> I got destroyed by Raptor Herders <laughs> in the uh, Ashcon. Keep, keep oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Raptor Herders are good. Yeah. I play with them myself. So so that's the big deal with Ashes. Now, you played in Ashcon. I played in Ashcon. Mm-hmm. I went one and two. I got destroyed by Cole in the third game. But the other two games I played were really pretty close. I had I had five more damage left, and I finished him off. Uh, when I when I lost, the opponent's Ash Phoenix board had maybe four damage left, mm. so it was really yeah, close. Fights. It decent was fights. really close. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were fun. And most of all, it helped me learn Ash Techie. Like, and now that's I'm, all that I was actually looking I'm, for. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, okay, I'm into Ash Techie. Okay, I can I can play this. I know how to do it. I know how to handle things. So it's cool. It's cool. I, I see what you're saying, though, about the, the card pool for Ashes, how it's... Because, let's see, Jericho came out, what, was it July? June August, or July. June, July, yeah, August, summer, middle of summer. There, yeah. And so, you know, the, the card pool has kind of been stagnant since then. So I can, so, you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's cards. And part of the subscription model that we've all subscribed to is hey look you'll get new hotness every three months right and it's ended up being not that but (laughs) but part of it is part of it is that there's a very large selection of cards that we have in front of us Mm -hmm. right and i don't have any direction to explore that large pool whereas with rivals it starts small and they offer directions they offer perspectives and you start investigating that you you investigate how those particular directions interact with the previous ones and you grow with the game the challenge that i have with ashes is that there's this big thing and i'm directionless i'm kind of rudderless i'm like i picked my phoenix born and i found i played with harold west raven in the ashcon and i was pretty effective and i like him I, I, but I don't have an incentive. I, I need to be triggered in some way. There's some needs to be something that happens where I go, okay, I want to try Aridel, or I want to try Jessa, or I want to try Cole. Cole is mean. Well, <laughs> Just if, for the if, record, <laughs> if there were more tournaments going on with like tournament results being reported and things like that, maybe that would be a bit more of an impetus. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah. this this deck just did well. Like the. I guess the shuffle bus is having like online tournaments mm-hmm. and uh, they had one that was their recent winner was like a Harold West Raven deck, which I guess. Oh yeah. 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 I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. So very different than the one I play. Right. But, yeah. So you know, it, it, it's always a possibility to, you know, take the winning, a winning deck and just net deck it and play with it and see what, you know, mm-hmm. what, it, what's up mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. If there were more tournaments going on, that might be more of a possibility. For me, I'm just trying to go through the different Phoenixborn. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Play them it once or twice. Yeah. I'm not doing it very fast and it's, though. And it's and so you have that. I sense a little rudderlessness also. But within the game, you're like, you can spend months just investigating West Raven, or just invest because of because of all the dice combinations you have. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, dice combinations. I, I, you have. I need a, have you made a deck without ceremonial dice yet? Um. 
I want to say yes, but I don't think I have. <laughs> you sell from yeah, one of our yeah, over regular yeah, players from that same yeah. state is like, no, it's already ceremonial. There's it's, a direction for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Play don't, Aridale. She doesn't use ceremonial don't use base. Ceremonial. Don't use ceremonial. Well, play, no, you, can, you can make her use them, but yeah, right, play right, Aridale right, right. without ceremonial. Yeah, or just, or just maybe, maybe that's what it, I need to do is I need to choose a direction to like use all the conjurations. <laughs> right mm-hmm. like uh, like yeah i just, don't know something like something like that so like like your l5r challenge from a couple years back right win with every with with every clan that wasn't the main clan rough yeah. right <laughs> in some cases definitely yeah um yeah certainly, certainly because of the time scale it took you on when things went up and down but yeah yeah you see i'd say there's something interesting here because we're going to talk rivals in a minute and i think rivals has an interesting side to how it encourages you deck building and it's not just the side of the carpool but one of the things with um, Ashes right now, particularly for myself, and it's playing in you guys too, is sheer amount of cards versus maturity of the game. We've, en- we've entered it. We've entered in to start trying to play it at that maturity point. I know we've mentioned this before, where some of it is played out, and we've got a bit of catching up to do. We've yeah, got a little bit of like, well, hold on, you know, we've mm-hmm. we've got. A, we're not just trying to deck build. We're then trying to deck build against people who have already done that work, or that work has been. Those problems have been solved. They're building on the previous part, of it, mm-hmm. right? And then that kind of different meta affects how things encounter each other. Like we we talked about this a little bit playing between the bunch of us, where we see a lot of swarms. Swarm decks seem to be the thing. Lots, lots of smaller characters. See, Raptor Herder being a classic example of, oh, right, hey, right. here's this playstyle. This, like, this um, work has been played out some, and this is what people have settled on. So we're in a very different space there to something like Rivals. And also, I would say the one other thing with Phoenixborn is, like you say, the dice, really, are the first limiting factor on what goes with what, which leads to a lot of combinations, leads to a little less direction. Because with those dice, you can do so many different things, so many different styles. It seems far more open than something like, say, Magic's Mana style plays. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a lot. Um, when when you when if and when you try and get into like say standard Magic, there's some fairly clear pathways down. There seem to be less clear pathways in Phoenixborn, which is fine, which is a good thing. But it does mean that you're occasionally going, okay, where, mm-hmm. where's this leading me? Yeah. Is this leading me? Where do I start? Yeah. So I need a. I need a. I think in order to, as sitting here, I'm thinking about having thought about it, having spoken and heard what you've said, I, I'm thinking I need to figure out some kind of framework to challenge myself. Okay, like, do X. Play with play with a full set. Play with two colors, and none of them are ceremonial, right? <laughs> and kind of run through the two color combination, the, the various color combinations of two colors mm-hmm. of dice, because I've already hit the ceremonial thing. I've already done that. Mm-hmm. So, so what are the other combinations and there's seven types of dice so there's what seven factorial combinations no not that many there's only it's it's uh it's additive you're doing so you're doing seven pick two a bit more complex a fair few it's additive <laughs> 12 yeah yeah it, it's, it's a, a it's a lot. decently large number i'll run it for it at some point yeah, but yeah. um <laughs> okay so then that's ashes that's ashcon i'm still playing i get destroyed by justin he played a big. He played a big unit. The deck. Well, the mount stuff, right? Ju- yeah, the mounts. Yeah, that's which that, I that's haven't. A, that's that a might unique be the thing, thing in itself. That, that yeah. might be the thing I investigate first. <laughs> Find out the, how to play mounts and play decks. that dice, yeah. and then they'll play those dice combinations. So those are pretty cool. Um, Justin did it. Yeah, he just yeah rolled over me. Yeah, I think the 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 big issue, which you sort of touched on, is just that. Uh, without having played the game for a number of years, it's hard to know which cards are binder fodder. Yeah, that's the, that's the, I think that's the big issue on the start. It's, it's always a good starting point in your deck stuff to 
and you're saying buying the fodder might be might be unkind but not unreasonable to go these things are not in, not going to be in my current build pick being able to do that having the knowledge to do that is a big deal yeah. they're, they're okay like let's go back to l5r for a second there are yeah. certain cards that you just didn't build with mm-hmm. and so i'm not but I'm they not, look not, yeah. good they yeah. look you're like hey this looks possibility and then you play with it and you're like yeah this isn't this this, this doesn't this, work yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. i'm saying that it's that it's that mental thing of we don't know how to go these things are not currently in my selection pool for whatever reason right. we go we, we don't have the ability to, we don't have a good ability right now to go ignore those this third here of the whole card set right you yeah know. the most and, and i was listening to i think the j throne when they were still doing stuff uh, Shay had chaos theory on his shade and chaos theory were doing some episodes and chaos theory was talking about damage per die mm-hmm. like he was looking at how many dice do i spend on this card on this character and what is my influence of that so it's very much a cost to advantage situation i mean that's right. a, a very reasonable way to look at it with the with the um action focused style play you've got mm-hmm. because you've got a, a ramping curve to deal with mm-hmm. you've got this idea of how, how much do i get out in a turn how, how much do i get out in the time i have which is very restrictive to be able to reply and respond to what my opponents do yeah. yeah i can see that so they were talking about that and i've i've look i've been managing to look at things like that mm-hmm. but i still haven't you're right i don't know that i've ruled anything out saying yeah that's that's that doesn't get played. Yeah. i haven't i, I yep. don't have that filter yet so yeah that's an interesting one yeah all right, turning to Rivals news, uh, besides Gen Con, which we'll get to, uh, Blood and Alchemy is very soon to be in stores, if not, if not, it's if it's on not the in website. stores already. It's on the web store for, for uh, Renegade Games. Mm-hmm. Mm, good for them. It is technically in distribution, although right now our local game store can't get it because it's out of stock at their distributor. So it's making its way through the chain right now, it seems. So, so yeah, something. it's somewhere in the supply chain. Which, as we just said a few minutes ago, <laughs> Farkin Borg has a, has, a, has a time delay right now. Yeah. So, yeah, Blood and Alchemy is coming. And then Wolf and Rat, which we have benefits because of, the, because of Gen Con, uh, the pre-release of Gen Con and the availability of Gen Con. It will be in stores in November. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. So, Blood and Alchemy technically has an uh, October uh, street month. Mm-hmm. Not a date, but October street month. Oh, and then Wolf me. and Rat is... November. I still owe you cash for that. You do. You do. That's <laughs> Don't okay. let me forget. All right. Um, <laughs> no idea. Th- then that leads us kind of into the main discussion of like Gen Con and Rivals and all kinds of cool stuff. We we discovered that there's a, such a thing as a city deck playmat. And <laughs> no kidding. If you all, hopefully y'all get a chance to see this thing. It's really cool. It's just like a s- smaller... It's probably just as long as a regular playmat, but it's narrower. It's ideal a, for a city deck. It's a little little card red neat. carpet. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Rolled, It's getting rolled out cool. on top of everyone else's have, mats, you know. There's a few of them for sale on eBay. Oh, yeah. Oh, very no cool. surprise there. Very cool. Yeah. I, 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 on that note, I remember, I remember sitting around on the OP for uh, Gen Con. I think it was Matt Holland checking out how much, how quickly and how much one of the um, spot plastics was up on eBay for in time delay. It was about five minutes after we gave them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So the, the city deck playmat is a thing. We didn't realize that until we got to Gen Con, saw somebody when they were like, what the hell's that? And yeah. we went and Come got some piece. ourselves. Yeah. And lu- we were lucky to get one for Carl. And then we have, Carl and I got a, because we judged for those three days. Um, and we judged the Prince of the City event. We judged the Wolf and Rat pre-release. And we did, there was a 1v1 tournament. And we also did a lot of demos during those days as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so we got a we got a Prince of the City judgment, which is pretty cool. 
Indianapolis um, Judge, right? Yeah, the pre-release, the pre-release was probably the most demanding judge-wise because these are brand new cars that people didn't know and, what happened. And a bunch of brand new people too. Right, right. Uh, brand very, brand very, people. very amused yeah. by the amount of people who walked in. What's this game? <laughs> okay, do you want to sit down for a pre-release? Yeah, sure. sure. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Like, Let me enough. pay forty bucks. Here's, here you go. Here, you go. here are your cars. Go for it. And Fair play. Go. And doing it with the pre-cons for all that the um, occasional complaint popped up there was the smart move with that layout. So yeah, so pe- people new to a game, people new to a set of cards, definitely. So yeah. Uh, and then there was the Prince of the City, which had I want to say thirty-six people, ten tables, wasn't it? So forty odd people. It was eleven tables, but it wasn't a multiple of four. Well, you you end up one or two, so it was it was around it was a it was around about forty if it was like, yeah like right each, yeah. yeah somewhere like yeah some you'd have to, you'd like have to, the moment the Very moment cool. you've got more than three three tables out you know you know you're going to have an extra four you know what I'm saying on the math mm-hmm. so it's yeah around about forty or so so yeah, yeah so that was decent size and it's it's fun it's fun um, seeing a a tournament layout of this style played where they cut to six, top sixteen players which is four tables. And they cut to four, which is one table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it, also, pyramids, it pyramids insanely quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? it, it, the cliff is the <laughs> cliff is steep. Yeah, right. Um, but the Prince of the City tournaments was was really cool. Like watching a multiplayer game go on. And one of the so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I want to get your your thoughts on this too, Doug. Is I didn't see, and we talked about this there. Is I walking around. I didn't. I saw a lot of city deck cards out. Like people oh, were not yes. going for the retainers. Mm-hmm. They were leaving the retainers out there. Maybe the SADs were being taken care of, but people just were not in the streets. They did not. They they were very cautious. I mean, like in the games that the four of us have played, and and now we have a fifth and Luke Dennis. Like he's like we're playing and we're interacting with the city deck definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, Carl, your strategy with Lick Shoe is it's like get retainers, get yep. points, yeah. win, yep. win game. But it was really interesting to see these these top tables leave all those cards out there, and I still don't know if I know why. I, I think you've hit on the head with the caution. First of all, I mean, certainly a competitive game. I can totally understand the going. I'm going to wait a moment and wait and see what happens here because I will. Also say, in terms of the card pool we saw compared to what we're playing with right now, there are, and I'll, if we talk, we'll have a rant about that building in a moment if we get a chance. Um, there weren't a lot of the passive, I sit there and gain points agendas around. Mm-hmm. But those are the ones that make people go out and do stuff. They're the ones that force your opponent to reply. So, if you, you know, if you've got um, strength in numbers. Which I've got is my favorite num- currently. Yep. I've got strength in numbers. I have five or six um, characters, in, uh, vampires out. And the opponent goes, okay, the table has to deal with you now. Right, right, and that that's happening less there, but yeah, I, I think it's sheer it's sheer caution. I think what I saw a lot of people was just like was uh, poker play, right? Yeah, and I didn't have my vampire, and I stare across the yeah. table at my rival. And <laughs> that's pretty much, maybe a game of chicken is yeah. basically what it is. I mean, right? Maybe a so, bit yeah. Of, of I, mean, that too. I mean, we also saw the results when people weren't cautious, and dear lord, <laughs> if you, if you, you know what you're doing. The replies uh, were there. So. Yeah, there were some games that were overturned too. Yeah, like it was it was, and the case that. I remember in the vagaries of this, Carl, you might have to help me remember this, but they didn't have a second vampire. There was a, there was a uniqueness conflict. There apparently. was a uniqueness conflict. So they had they didn't have a second vampire. They drew. They couldn't play one of them. They played the one they had. 
it wasn't very big. Mm-hmm. And the next turn, both vampires. Yeah, the opponent destroyed. Them. I mean, we're we, we know perfectly well with a, with, a, with a lucky enough hand, you can remove two, four, or five blood vampires in a turn. It's totally mm-hmm. doable. Mm-hmm. You know, a five and a three or something. Sure. And, and no in this case, folks, the, for the Prince of the City, blood and alchemy was legal, mm-hmm. as, in addition to the corset, but not a lot of people had it. Yeah. Right. There were only well, not 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 in evidence. So yeah. yeah, there were some that borrowed some late B and A cards from uh, the Renegade. From the Renegade staff, Renegade booth, um, Matt Holland made those available. But I only know two people who did that. Mm-hmm. Other people had their BNA. They were they had it themselves, and they, oh, they, oh, they weren't. Oh, they weren't playing it. Yeah, which they would not be unreasonable it. either. So yeah, but it was really interesting to see that. Like just to see, like at some points, I went by and there was like nine city deck cards out of like holy moly. But you are correct. In the game that we've been playing now for the last couple of weeks, because of Wolf and Rat, because of BNA, mm-hmm. that have passive effects um, that there's, allow you to do stuff. There's more, there's more encouragement for your opponents yeah, to be, no, we have to go out and do stuff. Yeah, I mean, also, I think the thing for us too is, we're talking, when we talk about the Prince of the City, we're talking about four players who probably do, do not know each other. There are a few friend group matchups, but largely going to be three unknowns around the table. Right. right? When we sit down to play... It's like, oh, hey, here's someone with a Toreador one. Okay, they're going to be going for those citizens there, so I better go and get them or get that person. Right. You know, we've developed a small meta, which has been more go mess with that center deck, right? Right. I mean, I got into the habit myself personally of going, I've got nothing better to do first turn. I might as well move an SAD. Why not? It's a point. Mm -hmm. Everyone everyone else, the game might actually go a little longer, a little bit of a community service feel, Mm -hmm. as it were. Which, whereas in a competitive game with three other players you don't know, hmm, a little less likely to do that straight away. And I think that's part of the reason, one of the things that did go well amongst many of them was the timing of the games we had a there was a 90 minute time limit for the games and i think all but like in those first early in those early rounds all but one or two were done by 80 minutes yeah we did i, don't, I mean it was minimal re- amounts of time yeah, yeah. minimal amounts of ones going to time yeah. Yeah. so that was good so and we we chalk I, I chalk that up to people being not there's not enough table talk happening <laughs> right this is the first longer? multiplayer game in a long time and if you, if you came from test, you're used to table talk like mm-hmm. I there's all kinds of table talk but I would walk by and everybody would be deathly silent like I said like, oh the, come it, on like you know it was the poker game if you do this I do that if you do that do this if he does this like you're trying to play like playing the game by pointing out people's weaknesses pointing out people's strengths you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> playing the table politics yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah no people people were playing it as a poker game I think that might be a good reason for a, a good basis for why we saw so many um, cards sat in play. Because there weren't also a lot of people being eliminated. There were, there were eliminations, but lots of them were going to point some people on tables I saw. So, you know. Yeah, I, I can't remember that kind yeah. of stuff. At, at least, as soon, certainly as the Prince of the City went on, there were less eliminations that I saw. Oh, okay. Less, less wins by that. So, it'd be interesting to see the numbers on that. If, if, if my yeah. was keeping track at all, I don't know. Yeah. You know? I know that he kept. The, I know that they kept tracking their latest Vampire Wednesdays, not the not the one just before this recording, where they recorded Josh Johnson, who was the ultimate winner of the Princeton City. But two Wednesdays ago, they talked about the agendas that were used, the havens that were used, the amount of the frequency of the vampires. They did a kind of a deck analysis of the top sixteen and deck analysis. I don't know if it was the larger, the largest, you know, the whole group or just the top sixteen. Excuse me. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I suggest you go back and watch that on Twitch, on Play Renegade in their video sections. So, oh, cool. 
What else about the the 1v1 was interesting. Uh, There's a lot of games went to time in the 1v1 uh, on Saturday, which was... Uh, Again, we're playing with a different card pool. That seems surprising still because yeah. we've definitely built decks that are like are going to score or kill. Yeah, pretty damn quick. Yeah, you know, yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, Again, maybe that's playstyle. Maybe it's more people hanging back. We're out in the streets more. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, well, after our most recent set of um, of card play and running stuff up and doing some, as I said, doing some speed building, I have a few thoughts at the high level on deck building and on playing the game. Is that right? Okay, let's hear. So, it. Let's so hear. It. Let's hear. Because we talked a while back. I just, <laughs> I did log my first <laughs> multiplayer victory on Wednesday night, and it's Thin Bloods. Of course, and it was Thin Bloods because Thin Bloods Thank are kind of strong. Holland. Yeah. Thank you, Matt Holland. Matt Holland. He showed me the way. He <laughs> absolutely destroyed me with with Thin Bloods at at uh, Gen Con, and so I'm like, I got to build this deck, <laughs> and I, I I I I didn't have any idea what his deck did, but my deck really went well <laughs> and as, as I was going to say as I'll advise as well I think right now the Thin Bloods is the deck that builds itself because it's, it can be so completely insular mm-hmm. take all the good Thin Blood stuff profit you know yeah. there's, there's yeah. almost no question mark question mark question mark in between well I yeah. had the the I was playing the agenda that gives you agenda points at the beginning of your turn if you have alchemy if mm-hmm. you have one alchemy you get one point if you have three or more you get two mm-hmm. I got three alchemy in my first on my second turn, I got two alchemy on my first. I got one, a third alchemy on my third turn, and then I never drew another one. So I got really blessed by variants mm-hmm. there. And I'd say that that occurrence there, along with some others, is one of the things I'm going to mention. So we did a while back about talking about debt building mm-hmm. and like you know all that kind of stuff there. I think I've hit on kind of like I'm, gonna, I'm about to say three, a number of um, points that are worth considering debt building. Right. So the first big one for me, and this came up in our two player stuff, mm-hmm. is who are your two star players? You're going to have a leader, right. and generally, you find out you, well, there's one of a vampire you care about. Mm-hmm. And most of the decks I've seen, most of the successes, Thinblood's being an exception because they're nuts. Because <laughs> you can just there's draw five all the of the star players. But the big question is, who's your, who's your leader, and who is the other vampire you want? Because there's probably going right. to be one of a main one with some backing singers right. that you care about. Well, right? and that's what I did. That's what I did in our two players. I did it in our multiplayer as well. I played Gangrel Tana- Tanaka. What was what's her name? Tamaska. Tamaska, Tamaska and clandestine, I believe, was yours. Yeah, and she's Tamaska too, and holy, clandestine. Holy cow, holy cow and clandestine, and clandestine is so important to the deck that the first game back, I literally, I, I was not first player, so I had two cards. I had Tamaska, two cards in my hand. I took an action, put something down. Well, oh, I, I put add, an animal, put on animal which is which is a, a non-action, right? A non-action, <laughs> an action for an action, and then I drew two, drew two. And I got to clandestine immediately and um, played her like the next turn and then I was off, right? And it was like drawing for the vampire you need. Mm -hmm. That's like just spending the first turn drawing for the vampire you need. Yes, maybe I play one. Maybe I play one to protect. Sorry, we're getting episode title. Oh my god! Draw for the vampire you need, not the one you have. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. Uh, Uh, But but you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. The the repeated gameplay has been a serious totally serious source of. We we had a huge advantage of seeing all this stuff played across Gen Con itself, playing a bunch of games ourselves as well. You had a learning. You were given a learning experience about Thin Bloods, Mm -hmm. a short, brief, Mm -hmm. a brief, immediate lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's the it's the star team thing. Well, go on. For me, though, the my agenda rocket deck doesn't rely. It relies on having Hydra out, mm-hmm. but Hydra plus 
any three other vampires. Totally, but I get, I get that there. But here's the thing again. I'd mentioned. I think I think that's I think you're completely right. You care more about having a number of vampires out. Yeah. But I'm, and that's based on your um, passive agenda. Yes. Right. Which is the next point I'm going to bring up. In, multi, in single player, single player, I think honestly is slightly more open build than we think. I think there are far more things viable in single player than we realised. You saw my um, hyperspeed uh, scheme deck. Mm-hmm. In single player, that's hilarious because the opponent's like, "Whoa, those points are just coming out of freaking anywhere," and and I've got to do a lot of damage and get through a lot of stuff to get to to slow it down. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, the card draw—it's Bruno Wagner ongoing cards. We've got enough cards right now. It all goes kind of nuts. That deck does not do well in multiplayer. Scheme cards are actually really difficult to get to land in multiplayer. Of course they are. There's three other people or two other people stopping you from playing them. Right. But in one player, you can go... Or not, not from stopping you from playing them, but yeah. stopping you from Compl- giving them off. Yes, yeah, 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 the yeah. important part. Yeah, actually playing them, yeah, to get into fire, right? So yeah, so that's really an intriguing thought I hadn't thought about. There's a bit of the Netrunner thing of like, I can do many different... Um, many different focus styles of play. I think that's the big two-player thing, is your two-player deck can be an engine that goes, I win this way. Do this thing, right? I don't think you can do that in multiplayer. And for that reason, I, I, there's two of the big points I want to make. I think if you're playing multiplayer, you need a passive agenda. You need an agenda that at the start of your turn gives you some points, then you can play your turn to react on what's going on at the table. Okay, that's the big thing I've seen. The big thing I've seen. And I'm switching over to the Gangrenosk deck that I have. Mm-hmm. But there's the Gangrenosk deck that has, I was running it with. Animal Kingdom in the two-player, mm-hmm. right? Which is the agenda that at the start of your turn, I gain a, a agenda point. If I control one plus animals, if I control three different animals, I gain two. Mm-hmm. That was really useful in single-player. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's going to be useful in multiplayer because people come over to destroy my third animal. like Because I need three different animals, right? Well, that That's a passive one where people can control, much like strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Strength in numbers, go... Put down the people so that it doesn't get triggered. Well, I'm making the point. The reason I bring that up is, yes, someone has to come over and screw up your stuff, but that's kind of the thing. They have to come over to you and do that. Ski, the, the, thing, the thing I've been realizing is on okay, retainer-based right. stuff, both vagrant and, and, and um, citizen-focused, on scheme-based, and to a lesser degree on uh, title-style stuff, right? they're things you have to spend your turn doing. And particularly okay. in the case of the citizens one, you have to go out and be vulnerable to do it reasonably. You can do sewers and sit back a little bit and poke people, maybe some, and I'm maybe going to try that out. But the moment you're, as you said before, um, certainly on the competitive tables, there was a lot of uh, staring contests. Who's right. going to playing chicken? Who's going to go? Well, if right. you're playing that type of deck, you have to go and do the thing. You, you have to be the one to doing it. And then if that fails, the opportunity cost was even higher. If the start of your turn, if you can just get a deck that, that reliably gets you a point a turn, and then you go off and do stuff... I think you're going to be absolutely rolling. They're the decks that are doing really well. I think that's that the multiplayer style is going to be really hard to stay behind because you're no longer in a race like you are in two-player, I think. You're in a marathon. You're in a, I've got to keep, if I don't keep pace... Uh, a marathon play, is still a race. Pace, thank you. A sprint, <laughs> shall we say. Okay. Yeah, thank you. You get, you get what I mean, though. Yeah, a know. sprint versus yeah. a marathon. A sprint, yeah. It's, it's, no longer a, it's no longer a just get ahead of the guy in the lead. In fact, being ahead of the guy in the lead in multiplayer is a horrible idea. Right, because you want to be to get, you want to get ganked tight in second. Yeah, you want you want to be you want to look like you're in the running but not be in the lead. Right. And I think that's where maybe that's what people were trying with those whole bunch of retainers in the middle thing is they're going I want to get to 10, 11, then go retainer retainer, woohoo, win. You know, right. that's what they're, right. they're they're the active that active 
the last thing I want to do with the Toyota Dex A these days is to go my opening turn, my second turn going two points, two points, and everyone going right him, jump yeah. him now, go for yeah. get over there. Oh my well, god! Well, and and, you know? and the whole the whole idea of you getting so many like play things being a two player two player agenda is stupid. Like you just like Sue just goes in and gets gets two points mm. every turn like bam 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 and you can well, burn a retainer anytime and do it again well the two player threat is lessened so. because of sheer card draw you're only you're only seeing so much from the deck it looks it, it, it true i guess yeah. that's true it, you're right when it happens yeah. it's a horrible snowball it's a right. classic it's a classic run hq agenda run hq agenda run hq agenda yeah. situation you know you're like god damn it so, you yeah. know, kind of thing there's nothing you can do about that and so that's you know you know for, for example i was running the royal lofts haven to be able to Mm-hmm. Cycle them and improve the odds of mm-hmm. that. But in the four-player, there are more options out there, but it's far riskier. The number of games I've played where I've had early sprints with the Toriota deck and then been like, oh, because everyone's everyone's suddenly cottoned on, I now can't do anything. And that's the th- the big fourth point I'm going to come up with here, which is going to be codified a different way. For multiplayer, your deck cannot do one thing. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, if, that's if you, if you, if very you, clear. If you even yeah. over-focus on one thing too much, well, you're done. The, it's just I, not going to function. I don't know if function. we've talked about this on the cast, I don't know if we've talked about this on the cast, but we had you. We had a conversation about the game being do what you want to do, have that plan in place, and move towards that, and defend yourself when someone comes at you to stop you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I needed more defensive cards in my deck. Right. I needed more ways. I needed to think more defensively instead of think just mm-hmm. outright aggression. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, which is th- which is a serious change for me like i've changed my play style i'm like okay i'm gonna have this person out here to protect i'm gonna block i'm gonna do this thing right i'm so it's a lot easier when you have thin bloods and you have five blockers yeah <laughs> right? not just five party. blockers but three of them giving giving out a like perfect a captain planet damage shield i mean think about splashing those because you <laughs> you've, you've nailed one of the points there for me but because of the card pool i think it has to be rewound a little bit you do need to play defensively and i think in multiplayer defensive playing defensively involves involves more aggression than we're using because the big thing I found about my... A lot of this came to mind from the Scheme deck I was playing the other day. When I played it in single player and went, I can sit here, I can out-influence you, don't be stupid, mm-hmm, it's one person. Mm-hmm. I can just lock you down, I can blast my schemes through, great. And in multiplayer, of course, it didn't happen because everyone went, no, it cost me like nothing and everyone around the table is going to bid like one or two. No, screw you, it's not happening. And when, when that didn't work, I had no game plan because I didn't right, have the things right. I needed. And that was a quick build. I think, I think the, the, there's the influence modifiers to influence modifier yeah. cards right those are the ones that are played in multiplayer that they're not played in, in 1v1 no argument there but people are still using them against you and i had rebuilt that deck the second one had been second time around it had been tuned mm. yeah the problem was i tuned it too tightly towards its job because this is my my, my my last big point on all this is god damn it you need attack cards whatever you're, <laughs> whatever you're doing you need more attack cards than you think yeah. you do if you've yeah. got a particular plan and a particular method if you're playing a swarm of people in the streets if you're focusing on animals you still need the ability to go i can go and stop that guy doing stuff right because that's what that's right. the defensive part you're not defending yourself against being eliminated because in multiplayer most of the time you probably won't be because either your rival will try and eliminate you and everyone will go no he's ahead take him out and take out your rival i'll, I'll wear him down or You'll become the, the smart place to be is in second place and in a bad spot because everyone will leave you alone, right? Because at that point, all of a sudden, you're going to cause someone else to win, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to, you, you need to be defensive against other people winning. 
And the only way right. to be defensive against only people winning is the ability to go, I go stop that vampire doing its shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the big one thing. So, and now I, got- I got to tell you, folks, the the attack cards in Wolf and Rat and in Blood and Alchemy add so much variety. Like you will, it allows you to just do some very different things, and usually get three to four damage through, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, you, you're hitting for three or four, and maybe they're defending for one or two, but you're that's that's a three to four that wasn't available in the core set all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, Very I think cool. The, the really really interesting takeaway from all that, quite apart from I now have some ideas about how to deck build and then to discuss the game with people, is now when you look at it, how different the one v one and multiplayer meta is. Because mm-hmm. in one v one, you can expect to fight um, agenda rockets. Something goes, here I go, points, go, here's my method, charge, 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 sprint to the end there. And you go into multiplayer and you go, hmm. <laughs> there, are, there, there are, you can win just as many different ways, but you're less likely to encounter something which does one thing. Right. And that's really fascinating, I think. Right. Well, and, and schemes might be a 1v1 meta call. Yeah. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a definite thing because you didn't let me, you, you did whatever you wanted to do scheme wise. Yeah, I could just go, nope. Yeah. Okay. It is yeah. interesting, though, how, and this could just be our playgroup, I'm not sure, how galvanizing it is to be out front. Oh, yeah. I was frankly a little shocked in that, in that one game. Um, it was the first game that we played together after Gen Con, and... Oh, well, right, 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 right. You were out ahead. Every, like, you know, so Carl and, and Tobin both have, you know, Wolf and Rat cards and Blood and Alchemy. I'm playing my corset only Agenda Rocket deck, which is based on uh, Hydra, a few Malkavians, and a couple of Ventru for you know long term investment if I need it for the extra prestige. Um, and the what's it the the dragons dragons roost dragons yeah. roost yeah where you if your leader uh, blocks. Your leader can like move the streets and block once a turn, and if you do, you gain a prestige. Yeah, and blo- the point yeah, is block yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah, block any, any, yeah. yeah, and it's block any attack. You can do it when you're already in the streets, and you can block attacks against yourself. So if someone attacks Hydra, I block. Right. You get the prestige. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and you be also worth noting, you become the blocker. Yeah. It's a fun, fun silliness with some cards like um, uh, uh, the Showstop or whatever it is. So yeah, the, uh, the Dragon's Roost yeah. combined with Strength and Numbers is a, is a, is a fun thing. And so all of a sudden I find myself on 10 agenda points with Prince of the City because no one was able to to torpor Hydra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. one had tried yeah, hard yeah. enough at the very least, yeah. Well, yeah, so. I mean, everybody everybody took a shot at me. They took a poke, but no one had come no one had come marauding in afterwards because of that overreach problem, right, you know. So, yeah, I'm sitting on, you know, 10 agenda and I'm going to get two for, you know, vampires in the streets and one for Prince of the City on the next turn, and it's like everybody's like, "Wait a second, yep. <laughs> yeah, we game need point, danger, danger, yeah. danger, danger." And, yeah. I, and I'm just trying to be like, I was just trying to be, you know, like low key about it, not saying anything, <laughs> trying to yeah. keep my poker face going. And all of a sudden, it was like <laughs> dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, and that's kind of my point. There is like that, that threat came from the passive, came from the whole "I'm just sitting here and scoring points." You know, yeah. there was there was nothing you had to do to go and get that game right, win because I was Is getting three, and, then, and, then, you know, and yeah. then people had to step out. I I went against you. I think I put one one of your vamps in torpor. Yep. Yeah, pretty sure Jason did the and same. Then, and then. I don't know if you did anything, I, and then Jason came at you, and you had one prestige yeah. left, and and ended the game. He he was crosswise from the table, so it was kind of like you yeah. you you blighted him, his turn. Jason blighted him. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll chill out. Yeah. You know, at this yeah. point, you know. I am getting used to the rivals mechanic. 
the one, two, three, four rhymes. Oh yeah, mechanic. picking picking rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that I haven't played the the two pairs of two rivals has Too been much, a, yeah. has been lessened. Like mm-hmm. we haven't played that lately, um, because that's kind of a weird dynamic. I um, I still think that one's largely psychological because if you're not looking so. around the rest of the table, I get I get the feeling. But as we've proven before with this discussion here, if if I'm paired with you and Doug's paired with Jason, but Doug is on ten, yeah. <laughs> both of us are like Doug is on ten, no. and if we let him get to we're his turn, to, he will yeah. be at thirteen. At the very least, we're going to put aside our game and go right. Hold on, <laughs> we need we need to pay attention over right, there. Right. You know. so. Like like the other day, like I'm playing the Thin Bloods, and um, I was at I was at eleven. Mm-hmm. No, no, no! I was at ten, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "He's at ten. He's at ten. He's, at 10. he's going to yeah. get two from his agenda, and and he can just go get one whenever whenever he wants." Da 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 da, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. Like, but yeah. I had been pounding Luke into the ground, mm-hmm. and you only had two vamps. You had maybe maybe you had three vamps out. Uh, uh, two and two in Torpor, so I was about to get more yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weakish. So you yeah. were weakish, um, and then and then I just went and got a. Yeah. A citizen. You, you you bring up the situation up there, and the one thing that kind of make, makes it all clear to me is you're on ten, right? You've only got one rival, and yet everyone around the table, everyone around the table was going, "Okay, let's look over at Tobin's stuff." One more, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Everyone was doing the how do studying, we do this? Yeah, how do we know. do this? And they, you yeah. wanted to get rid of the alchemy, mm. one of the three alchemies, and that's one of the things you could have done, right? It was um, a it was, it was a classic one point short situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could I could hit you I could hit you for all the damage you could prevent. And it was a one blood vampire. <laughs> God damn! Again, yeah. fucking attack cards. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, needed needed some actual attack cards in that yeah. thing. So, yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's been an in- it's been an interesting time directly after coming back from Gen Con with the because we've got to have the we got to experience the sort of old school FFG style deluxe situation of here's the core set, here's the cards. Holy yeah. cow, here yeah. they come! Right, there are a lot of you cards. Know, in we the had set. we had one one game day of um of uh, yourself and Jason going. Okay, those guys have all this crazy deck stuff. What the hell? And then it was like, right now the tables have turned. Some, you know, yeah. And the kickups happened, and we've gotten people interested. There's, there's a couple of people have bought into Rivals, uh, at Total Escape. So that's cool. Well, so, I'd like to see the growth. An inter- another interesting question about Rivals vis-a-vis Gen Con. What was the average deck size that you were seeing? I think people were largely sticking at forty. Yeah, I didn't, particularly with the No Mulligan stuff, I didn't see anyone going large. I don't think there's any encouragement to do so. I mean, even with the heavy card draw stuff, it's a, if you are playing things like Wagner ongoing decks and stuff, it just becomes a case of I just want to find particular cards. I mean, a good one to turn around is, has anyone seen anybody come vaguely close to decking out? I, I think I think yeah. like, I think think like halfway through the deck is, is like, holy cow, a surprise, right? Yeah. You know? I don't know. So when you bring that into mind, it's then you've got some I mean, very solid math on whether you see your were, stuff or not. There yeah. in our in our one v one with Gangrel when I was playing Gangrel, I had a handful of stuff. <laughs> like I had like ten cards in my hand, which was insane. I was mm. Like what? What's going? Like yeah, I have intel. Whatever. <laughs> well, when you're not <laughs> mending, you boom, when, boom, you're not, when you're not mending to a turn, which right. is pretty standard, you right. know. Right. When when, when um, once the blood starts now, to fly. Now that brings up a good point. You mentioned mulligans. Mm-hmm. So I I I, oh. I I don't know if I've ranted on the podcast before, but I've ranted about like why isn't there a mulligan in this? And we had the chance to talk to. I Matt think all Eichel. three of us have said that there should be a mulligan yeah. in this game. Well, had some discussion about We've, it at the very least. Yeah. I, I've changed my mind. So Matt Hira, we had a chance to have uh, uh, share a meal with Matt, 
And I, there were several questions that we gave him, but I, one, of, one of which I was like, hey, wait, wait, wait hold on. There is one I want to ask you. Why not a mulligan? And he's like, in playtesting, if we had mulligans, the game can be really fast already. Certainly in one-on-one. Yeah. Certainly in one-on-one. The game can be really fast. So we didn't want people to ha- be able to tailor their hand a little bit more. We wanted to just... Oh, at all in that case, yeah. You are what you, you... You get what you get, and you... you uh, Make do with what you have, and yeah. you go go from there. The impression was that there were turn two turn two wipeouts, yeah, and that we've um, and that's well. Right now, a turn two wipeout is actually not all that nuts. It's entirely possible if you're lucky. But the point was not to have turn one <laughs> takeouts in one v one, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, and and having look at that and the uh, well, no. turn ones aren't possible either because of the damage attack roll. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's not. It's, it's one of those things where it can it can be functionally done, right? You can mm-hmm. the, the player two can start their turn one and go, okay, this is already over, you know, because right. so much happened. Um, and because of that, I realized that one the, when you look at the the philosophy of design at that point, clearly having no mulligan and not worrying about the situations means we can have more powerful, interesting cards. Oh, yeah. That's the big yeah, thing, and yeah, that enables yeah, multiplayer yeah. to work better. Yeah. Because then then multiplayer runs on less certainty. That's what makes it interesting, is looking across the table and going, don't quite know what they can get away with. So the more interesting and swingy cards can be, the better that plays out. And I think that mm-hmm. all ties together nicely. There's a, there's a nice little bit of elegance to this game that takes some time to, to really grab in. I think there's been some, been some very smart design for a multiplayer game. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I like the shakedown. I like <laughs> the, Talking about card design, I like the shakedown. I did that to Carl. I think I did that to you, the turn before... I actually won. It was the right, right? time to do it. Yeah. But yeah, did like you a, do it with a sheriff title on the board? I did not. No, you didn't get the full version, not. unfortunately. I did not no. get the full version, but that you, was all right. I you, cleared out four. You got two cards. Two cards. You would have got one if not for my top deck. <laughs> like I said, not having many attacks, the hilarious thing about the deck, I was like eight or something stupid, and, you, and they've been sat in my hand for a while. So, yeah, you managed to find two physical, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, that's, that's... The best part of that is by far looking at your hand. Well, of course. I mean, it's yeah. huge. And it's, an un- it's, well, except for Dragon's Roost, it's an unblockable action. Yeah, and even that. even so far we couldn't isn't an attack, so you could. I, I think block. Going over, there is that's the benefit of the thin bloods as well, folks, because a lot of their actions can just take place in the haven, and they don't have to come out. Just sit and chill, sit and chill out. Yep, yeah, totally. Yeah, so they're more or less protected, and then of course their pay up prestige for the armor is stupid too. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, um, final 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 debt building comment now. Final final final. Okay, one, which is um, if you're gonna splash anything in this game. It's going to be a vampire. When you've built your deck and got your design together and gone, here's my how I'm planning to win, here's my standard tactics, and here's my faction deck, vampire number seven, I think, should be a, who's just good? Who's who's the splash? Who do I just throw in here? Because right? okay. like I said to yourself, it never turned up, but my big one, probably 1v1 deck now, has Jacob Frost from the Finbloods as a splash, because he's just a strong vampire. Yeah, He's cheap and he's just good. Yeah. And I suddenly went, oh, yeah. And, and also, with the ability to then burn someone else's vampire if you get a chance, that's just a nice little With Sunrise bonus. Surprise. Well, well, no, the idea that you've got um, Jacob Frost in Torpor, so I can play my Frost oh, and right, burn, right, a, right, burn right. a linchpin of your deck. Uh, and that's just a nice little bonus. That's a nice little meta bonus. Yeah, that would suck. It would indeed, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, like a but Finbloods are... It's very hard... Well, you could, you would have to... The, you would have to put the thin blood down. You would have to put Jacob down. Mm-hmm. Um, doable, not easy, but doable. Because the yeah. the one thing I found with the thin bloods is they come back immediately. Yeah, like they torpor men, bam, yeah. they're right back out because they're almost all ones. 
So, yeah. but then burning someone like that—that's not too hard a kill. It's about—it's about as tough as getting through the average big, well-defended six-six-blood vampire. Mm-hmm. You know, which mm-hmm. is a totally a thing. We've seen this happen. We've yeah. seen the one-turn deletes, like yeah. just job, job done. So, but yeah, that's my final comment. There is, I was surprised. I got from my whole deck and then went like, "Well, I don't have a whole lot of faction-focused cards here, huh?" Do I just do I just do I just do the classic thing of who's good? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. All right, something good. I've got a, I've got probably quite a long one, so you guys can okay, go ahead yeah. if you like, or I'll uh, um, <laughs> or I can get it out of the way. So in in the vein of Netflix signing and the Sandman, the Sandman series being a Netflix thing that's now shooting, I recently also found out that probably my if it's hard to argue for one being above the other. But Matt Wagner's Grendel series, which is, yeah, maybe my favorite series ever. Maybe. Maybe Sandman is. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> Grendel got signed. Matt Wagner signed an option uh, with Netflix to develop Grendel mm-hmm. for, uh, I think it's an eight-episode first season. Ooh, that's a good sounding size, actually. And nice. um, that's I'm so excited about that. That's like... That will be very different. <laughs> the Grendel series, for those of you who have read it, is uh, centers on starts with centering on Hunter Rose, but then moves to something completely different, mm-hmm. um, and it's very very cool. And I, I'm really excited to maybe see that you know this time next year. Yeah, I saw that pop up in the various new streams, and it was a, a good 50-50 split of like, holy cow, a Grendel series, and a, holy cow, what the hell is that? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, it's not, it's not, not mainstream, mainstream. It's, so, all, you know? it's all good for Matt, because I, I have, I think I have every single copy of the original series, including the Comico primers, which are still hard to get, and stuff that's out of, like, literally out of print and will never come back into print. I have some of that stuff, and it just make, tickles my... I collect your bone so well. And it's just a good series. So fingers crossed we get a disturbing image. (laughs) (laughs) So fingers crossed we get a daredevil and not an iron fist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To be mildly brutal. So do any of you have Hulu? Yes. I'm aware of what goes on with it. Fabulous show. Only murders in the building. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I've seen this. We've Steve Martin and uh, Steve Martin, Martin, Martin Short, Short Selena Gomez, Nathan Lane, Tina Fey. It's got a good cast. Okay, that's a, that's, I've, that's I've watched every. Uh, their new episodes are coming out every Tuesday. I've watched the episodes that are out so far, and it has absolutely phenomenal production quality. Is it funny? Is it is what is it? Is it uh, dark comedy? It's more drama, okay. But there are darkly humorous elements to it. Yeah. So basically, it's these three strangers who live in an apartment building, and then a guy dies in the building, and they're all fans of the three of them are fans of true of the same true crime podcast. That's how they get together. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 And so they start investigating. So they so they start their own like, true yeah, crime yeah. podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's it's fabulous. All right. It, it's cool. really good. And um, is their podcast better than ours? <laughs> well, they have uh, in in the last episode that I saw, they had had for their most recent episode twelve hundred sixty seven downloads. <laughs> but that's after getting mentioned on a late night talk show. Oh, all right, all right. So, I'm saying the, the true, true crime is an easy sell. No, it's it's a it's a good show. Uh, the acting is great. Um, I love Steve Martin and Martin Short. They're both amazing. Yeah, so it's 
it's good stuff and uh, i think it's a it's a very worthwhile show how, how far cool. into its series is it right now it's first season they've got like seven episodes out but they're doing it sort of uh episodic they're not just dumping the entire series mm-hmm. they're doing it yeah one episode a week yeah yeah so it's it's more of a serial serialized that way kind of i mean signing from the premise of one that would work pretty well like that too so yeah it's it's, it's it's very good um, fun 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 it's a, it's a very modern day murder mystery kind of show. Interesting, cool, interesting. Um, one other slip in here. I'm going to slip in something good uh, before Carl goes on his longer one again, which is serving image, see, seeing <laughs> and talking with and shooting the shit with a gentleman by the name of Aaron Boyd. I remembered your name, Aaron. This time I won't forget your name. Aaron and I have been judging or been playing at L5R tournaments and Netrunner tournaments and all kinds of other tournaments since like 2016, 2017. And I constantly run into him and it's constantly a very fun guy. And uh, I just want to make sure that I get his name on record <laughs> so that I remember it. You, that guy, that dude. <laughs> that you. dude. Yep. Yeah. And he never, he, he makes fun of me. He's like, you never remember my name and it's all, I'm okay with that. And I'm like, oh, but well, I'm Tough not. luck. We did this yeah, time. Yeah, we did this time. <laughs> but then in future episodes, it's going to be that guy that I mentioned on that our guy. podcast. <laughs> what episode was that? From, from Chen Consumier, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, all righty. So, your, your turn, yeah. Carl. So this, is, this is probably going to be a slightly longer one. Yeah. So... There is a little video game I've been playing a fair bit of called Dyson Spear Sphere Program. Um, it's in that um, factory building, logistical style game. You're collecting resources, building building buildings and machines that produce stuff for you. You've got the auto, all, all automation thing of collecting stuff together and getting the machine to run, getting it to make stuff for you. It does a good job of making it interestingly complex for you to go around and do your work and set things up and get them rolling. And there's not a whole lot of like things breaking down. Um, the most, if, if anyone's played the game, they'll know what I'm talking about. The most common thing is to come back and find something kind of clogged up, <laughs> materials ending up where they weren't supposed to, and having to like shove them out and work out what to do with overflow materials and all this kind of stuff. It does a very good job of um, scaling that technology as you go from very simple to very simple to like that seems straightforward. But it's not because it's not sustaining itself and all that all that right, kind right, of interesting right. logistics. Okay, thing. okay. And it's it adds into that a certain amount of exploration. It's um, a space focused game. So you're building a Dyson sphere, which if anyone isn't familiar, is a um, conceptual construct that would surround a star with um, a a structure that would take would draw most of the power from it. Not in a vampiric way, a big solar mm-hmm. massive like solar sails mm-hmm. kind of things and shells around. It's a a very common common sci-fi um, concept. And you're you're building this from the ground up, so it's kind of fun and cool because you get to do the whole thing of like you know launching your first few sails and watching them start to form around the star. Ridiculously pretty game as well. Holy cow, they made this so so good looking. And so you've got that kind of sense of exploring out, of finding out what you need to do, and eventually going from star system to star system to go and look for resources and to link those planets back to your home planet and all this great stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, it's a very compared to a lot of the factory games, it's a very chill very chill experience because largely what you're doing is you know is my stuff running okay is all the research coming through the game's drive is to is for the science all you're doing is to try and understand the nature of the universe you're in and you keep um building producing resources with more kind of like pare down towards that point so the, the end goal is successfully research that thing you have to research mm-hmm. so it's wonderful very nice little different style compared to a lot of a, a lot of other um, games like this cool I've been playing it for a good few weeks. It's a great little, I'll go and do a few hours at a time. Because you can have the sieve problem of delving in and going, yeah, it's late. In fact, it's early now. Holy cow. I should stop doing this right now. But it also, you can, you can go in for an hour, hour's worth of, I need to do this on a planet. Do this thing. Go, go off to work. That's great. Okay. You know? 
the reason I bring it up in the Something Good is not just that it's a good little game, it's that the recently, for me personally, a completely unexpected um, announcement post came up. And the announcement post was in two halves. It's an early access game on mm-hmm. Steam. And the first half of it was, holy cow, you guys like this game. You're buying tons of it. It's like 1.7 million units or something, which is puts wow. it way up there in the Steam numbers for an early access Great. game. Like, That's fantastic. The second half goes, here's our preview of the combat system. What? Precisely. My response, like, wait, hold on, what? Because if you know this genre at all, the first big defining genre for factory and logistics games was Factorio. And Factorio's big deal was do all the things I was talking about there, the building stuff, gaining resources, developing your stuff, while occasionally you get attacked by swarms of monsters. And so it kind of set the standard. That was the usual thing of assuming that you'd have to come and fix things. You'd have to build defenses, set up walls, Mm -hmm. and do this particular job under pressure. And it works fine. It was never the one I particularly liked, but... Of, of that style, but it's a ridiculously popular game and it's a, it set the, set the whole genre into play. So I kind of went, huh, really? Like, this game doesn't feel like it needs that. Like, what the hell, you know? So for a moment or two, I was like, uh-oh. Because one that pops, one thing that pops to mind here is a good few years back, if you play um, video games of this type at all, uh, infamously Darkest Dungeon went through a, a sudden change in its style halfway through Early Access. So a bunch of people have bought the game, they played the game the whole time, they got used to it, they got used to how it feels, and then they had the equivalent of a, a new card set hitting them. Right. right. Here's a new card set that changes the game massively. Right. And, the, and the veterans went, we hate this. This is awful. This is not the game we, we paid into, not the game we're playing. We absolutely hate this. Right. And infamously, there was a lot of friction between that that led to kind of dividing out those changes and watering them down a little bit and all, all sorts of stuff that didn't do anything good for the game or the community. Right. So Dyson Sphere doing this made me go, uh-oh, like major style, right? And they describe what they're planning. What they're planning actually sounds pretty cool, I've got to admit. It's largely combat in space. It sounds like it's going to be not so much on the planets, but out in, out in the orbit and all that. So you'll only get there when you go to a certain point. But these are all by the bys. And they went for all the lists of the things they're expecting, all the various um, stuff they're going to change, all the new things. And then they mentioned the two modes. The one where you can opt into the combat and the one where you can opt out of it. Oh, okay. And that decision there is my good thing for the for the for the for the, the, the episode. <laughs> it was like, good job, guys. Excellent. You've looked you've you've looked at your stuff. You've learned the the errors of an early access style game. Because there's the fun part. To a degree, when we play living card games, we're sort of playing an early access game. It is going to change over time. It is going to develop. The people making it are going to go, ha, huh, that didn't work, or that did work, and they're going to modify it. Right. And so to hear someone go. You guys love this game. You think it's great. You think it's awesome. We've got big plans for it, and we're not going to force them on you. Right. And That's I, thought, I, cool. I thought that was that was fantastic. Right. Cool, 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 cool. If you would like to join the discussion, have ideas for future episodes, feedback, or questions for us, you can contact us at artofwarcast at gmail.com, via Twitter at artofwarcast, or leave a comment in the episode's comment section. Please review us on iTunes. It helps others find us. Thank you for listening. The vampire you want is delayed. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, I'll go there. <laughs> Fair enough.